Right now we will have the sermon brought to us by our elder, Barnabas Grayson, entitled, Beware the Wolves. Good afternoon, everyone. I was uh, sitting there wondering what Ron was going to do. He's all still and everything. Oh, I keep forgetting, Rick. There we go. On. Something fell off. Good start. Green. Okay. Yeah, this is different. Uh, this first time I've had to look here, there, and there. My bubbles tipped a little bit. If you remember a message I gave some time ago where, you know, the carpenter's level there, you think things are just, you know, all level, an even keel, and then something comes along and it tips, tips your bubble. So my bubbles tipped a little bit, but in a good way, I think. I hear you guys had just a little bit of rain. We had some rain down in Eufaula. I got out in it, and I didn't mind. I just, uh, just let the rain fall on me because it felt so good and refreshing. To hear the thunder, see the clouds, that, all that steam up there in the air, it just really was a blessing. And so standing there, just taking it all in, I had to be thankful because, you know, there are other parts of our world where, you know, the rain is not falling, and it ju it's just a blessing, even for just that small amount. Well, I didn't come to really talk about rain, but the title of this message is Beware the Wolves. You know, there has been many books, I think, written about werewolves and, and ravening wolves and uh, books that have titles like Twilight and things of that sort. And you know that there are many religious programs out there in TV land, whether it's on uh, cable or satellite or on the internet or on radio or wherever. You can tune into various uh, religious programs. And one of the things that they have in common is that they all preach Christ. They all preach about salvation. You can look around at any city, in any city, in any town, and you're going to see dozens and dozens of churches, some kind of church there. It's all big business in a way. So only thing is, is that there are various doctrines and customs that some of them have that just don't quite follow the truth that we see in the Word of God. Because not all teach the doctrines of Christ. They, some don't teach the resurrection because they believe that when a person uh, dies that they're, you know, they're immediately gone to heaven. Or they don't uh, it's, uh, believe in certain days. They might say, well, one day is better than the next, you know, or any day doesn't matter or they may teach uh, the laws done away instead there there's grace so it kind of rings true when we think about the words of Christ when he said many shall come in my name saying I am Christ in the book of Matthew chapter 24 where uh, we'd like to begin and in verse 3 he was there sitting upon the Mount of Olives with his disciples and they came to him privately saying tell us what shall uh, the sign of your coming be and of the end of the age so they were looking at this the second temple and Christ had told them that the temple that they were admiring was uh, going to wind up in a rubble that there was not going to be one stone upon another that it was all going to fall down and collapse 
And they wanted to know, well, when is this going to be? What's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world or the end of the age? So Jesus answered and he said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So out of all the signs that he was going to present, he was saying, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many, he says, shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So this is the first of the signs. And from the time of Christ until now, many deceivers have come and gone, leaving behind various false beliefs and doctrines along the way, even bloodshed. But he goes on, I'm going to read the rest of the verses, but he goes on and he highlights all of those things that are going to occur, like wars and earthquakes and famines and so on. Those being the consequences of sin and man's lack of knowledge of, of the way to peace. So, the Apostle Paul was saying uh, this. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering to, unto him that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. So apparently the church at Thessalonica was of the idea that you know, the day of the Lord was, was upon them. But the Apostle Paul tells them not to be shaken in mind. So there were some who had upset their thinking, upset their mind, shaken them up. And so they were troubled. And he tells them not to be troubled. Because in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away, which is an apostasy or, or a defection or like a revolt or rebellion. And in conjunction with that, we know later that there is to come an antichrist in verse 4 who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship. So that he as God sits in the temple of God. You know, that temple that is yet to be built in some way or some structure that is going to be a place of worship. Showing himself that he is God. Drop down to uh, verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. And this wicked, you know, that's the one behind uh, all of the apostasy that's been working, you know, since thousands of years ago. Working falsehood and, and uh, ever since time began. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So these things that are coming, you just have to put yourself, you know, in that future. And imagine what kind of signs, what kind of power is this uh, person going to demonstrate that with all deceivable of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should uh, believe a lie. All of that lying wonders, all of those uh, miracles that are, that are being performed, all that's going to do is lead to unrighteousness, which is a result of not knowing the truth, which makes them more gullible and more easily to be misled. <clears throat> 
John chapter 10. Now these uh, Thessalonians, they were living in troubled times. And just as we are today, feeling, you know, at times the presence of the pressures of, of godlessness in our society, in the world around us, various parts of the world where there's, you know, murder and wars and killings and all sorts of devastations going on. And it's a time when really we must be on our guard against any deceivers. Because as Christ said, you know, take heed that no man deceive you. In John chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that enters not by the door into the shepherd, sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. This word thief is uh, from the Greek word kleptos, which means this they take by stealth. And you've heard uh, of the phrase perhaps uh, a kleptomaniac. I mean, he just can't help but steal. That's just, that's just his habit. He's a kleptomaniac. Goes into snore, store and snatches something. I, I forgot one of the news uh, programs last night was about, uh, you know, watching your uh, possessions wherever you are. Might, maybe in an airport or some place, public place, that you should be aware that there are people who are sizing you up to see what they can get from you. And it showed this man who was sitting um, on a on a bench and he had his possessions next to him uh, in, I think is in this airport and they were waiting for the right moment for him to be distracted because he had uh, some uh, luggage or something there on the floor and so he bends over and while he's fooling around with his stuff the thief just quickly takes uh, that possession that he has and it shows him getting up and looking for it it's not there and he stands up and he looks uh, all around for it He's been ripped off, or however you want to say it, torn off. But that's the way thieves work. They, they do it by stealth. And then the, show, the, the uh, narrator said that, it, I don't carry a purse, but you know my wife does. I don't see how she does because it's real heavy. I don't, if a thief uh, got hold of it, it'd probably hold him down. But, <coughs> and, uh, but uh, I just had to call her last night because she's in Oklahoma City. And I told her, you know, be careful where you hang your purse or how you hold your purse because that kind of sent a little bit of um, alarm in me because it's just so easy that if you hang your purse on the back of a chair all the, and it showed this thief doing this, you know, because the cameras are everywhere, and it showed this thief uh, uh, pretending he was on his cell phone and uh, he had his jacket off and as soon as the woman was uh, distracted, he just took the... the, the the purse off of the back of the chair, you know, the strap that holds the purse, and he put it under his uh, jacket, and he was gone. So, you know, this is a thief. This is, this is their MO, their method of operation, as the detectives like to call it. They take things by stealth. And then you have this robber here. Uh, the same is a thief and a robber, and these are the ones who, you know, do things by force. They, uh, you know, might, might point a gun at you or hold a knife to you. And uh, they're looked at, these people that, are, that enter not by the door into the sheepfold as the same as a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep because you know, they do so openly, they do so honestly, they have the authority and the keys. 
And in our world today, we have to, you know, watch, be on guard, and, uh, you know, we always have to lock our door. And uh, I, I remember a time when we didn't have to do that. We, could, we had a screen door on our house, and, you know, we, we, we just left it open. And I may have mentioned that, you know, even the cats, they wore a little hole in the screen, and they come in and out, you know. But those were the old days. Nowadays, you, you, uh, you lock everything up because you know that there are thieves and robbers out there. And they're looking for those ready-made opportunities to find a way in through a window, an unlocked back door, or whatever. But this that, uh, that he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and they lead him. You know, they trust, and they follow him, because there's familiarity, there's recognition, and there's, there's unity. And if things kind of look amiss, then they realize, you know, something doesn't seem right. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. But a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Because, you know, something strange about the whole situation that alerts them to something unusual, something going on in the neighborhood. So who do you call? This parable is what Jesus spoke unto his disciples. And, but they didn't understand, it says. They understood not what things they were which he spoke unto them. And Jesus said unto them, truly or verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and Robbers, but, but the sheep did not hear them. You know, before him came, you know, false uh, prophets and saviors claiming to be God sent as deliverers. Delivers. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So, the, you know, the point in all this is for us that we should follow Christ, the shepherd, and you won't go wrong. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees a wolf coming. And so he leaves the sheep and he flees because... He's not, his heart is not in it. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters the sheep. This uh, word translated wolf is from uh, the word leukos. And it has to do with whitening. And it, therefore, you can see this wolf as, you know, white. And, you know, sometimes white is symbolized, symbolizes purity. It symbolizes righteousness. But, but it's not. We read elsewhere where, you know, uh, inwardly there are ravening wolves. But the hireling fleeth because he's a hireling and cares not for the sheep, you know, only for himself. But I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I am known of mine. So as we sit here, we need to realize also that our Lord and our Savior knows each and every one of us. 
He knows us, you and me, the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they and am known of mine. Just in verse 15, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and lay down my life for the sheep. So, you know, Christ came with a voluntary sacrifice that his life gave his life for us. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. You know, we are just one part of the whole, part of the whole. It was at one time when it was a vanity among the church to think of themselves as exclusive, as being the only one. I did, but again, we see that Christ, other sheep, I have. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me? So he's, you know, he's going to boast about something here and he's going to show his credentials and there's a reason why. He said in verse 2, because I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. So Paul was realizing that there were those in the, in the ministry trying to undermine him. And it seems that there was a tendency among the Corinthians to you know, have it, these itching ears to listen to others and so on and so forth. Verse 5, For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. And he asks them, Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? You know, Paul was a, a leather worker. He was... He was one, uh, among the Corinthians, it was considered kind of low class to be uh, out there skinning, you know, the hide from animals. But he did that, and he was making, uh, you know, tents, using the skin to make tents and, and other things. He was a, a leather worker. And this is something the class-conscious Corinthians uh, saw as a, a low uh, status. But he says, I robbed uh, other churches taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. As a truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. So, you know, he was boasting. He had credentials, he had experiences, he had trials that he had gone through. And so he was bringing those up and what he called uh, a little in my folly to bear with him because he was going to uh, show what he did. But the point was, don't look at the man, 
but look to Jesus Christ. And he did these things. Why? He said in verse 11, because I love you not. No, it's because God knows you know better. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now to Mark chapter 13, uh, verse 30. Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. You know, from the beginning, when we look at uh, the, uh, the false Christ, a uh, uh, man trying to take uh, our crown, misleading us in different ways. All these things, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knows no man, no, not the angels, which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father only. So take heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house. And sometimes we uh, probably maybe become a little impatient because Christ seems so far away. And here we are having to endure all of these things. But, and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter uh, to watch. So he gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and he commanded the porter uh, to watch. Uh, this is, you know, the doorkeeper. And we could ask a question, well, who is the doorkeeper to our life? Who's the doorkeeper to your life? Is it not we as individuals who either open or close our hearts and minds to God or to evil? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't know if I gave you that listing, but uh, if you have your Bible, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 4 that there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. So even though you have these various uh, 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 diversities of gifts, it's God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, 
to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. You can read the rest of the verses, but let's uh, drop down to verse 29, or verse 28, that is. Now, we're all, you're, we're the body of Christ, members in particular, and we see in verse 28 that God set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And the question is asked, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Obviously, we don't have all. There's a lot of things that here that we fall a whole lot uh, short in, but God's Spirit is in them. Even those who may have to endure uh, uh, sicknesses or certain trials in their life. Verse 35, back to uh, Mark 13. Mark 13, verse 35. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house comes, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Uh, you know, it's been interpreted this cock crowing is not, you know, literally the, uh, the uh, uh, rooster. It's, you know... The, the town crier, the one that goes through the streets and he's making these announcements. You know, sometimes all is well. Verse 36, lest su uh, coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. You know, pay attention, take heed. Be concerned more about how to live in Christ until he comes. Uh, back to Matthew chapter 24. We know that iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold. Because this iniquity that goes on is just going to uh, harden everyone else that uh, this iniquity affects, that they themselves, you know, it just rubs off and it spreads. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Those that, you know, endure in the faith of Jesus Christ and his doctrine, they will be, uh, they shall be saved. They won't be falling away, but holding on to the faith. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. There are many missionaries today spreading, you know, the gospel, spreading it around. Maybe not perfectly, but, you know, a groundwork is being laid uh, for the closing days of this age. You know, when the angel, too, will bring the gospel of peace. But when you, verse 15, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso reads, let him understand. <laughs> I thought it was. 
fellow's hearing voices. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, tip my bubble again. But, but that's, that's, the, uh, that's the sign. <laughs> it's funny that word falls. <laughs> well, let me go on here. <clears throat> Starting to sweat. Verse 16. Then he talks about, you know, the urgency of those days when, uh, when, it says to let them, you know, which be in Judea, flee into the mountains, you know, wherever there's a safe place to go. Uh, but verse 20, pray you that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation or great distress, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So it's going to be so unequaled in, in, in many ways. But except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. You know, that's, that's our hope. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. You know, it's in times of trouble that people are looking for a way out, looking for someone to lead them out, that they can become desperate for a way out, that they're willing to accept anything they hear or see. Verse 25, Behold, I told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chambers, believe it not. Go not forth. You know, don't follow after that. Don't follow uh, false beliefs. Believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And that's, you know, Christ, how Christ is going to reveal himself as a, you know, as a son coming out of the east and, you know, going toward the west. For wheresoever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered. Now let's go to Acts chapter 20. The purpose of Satan and his ministers is to draw away the following. Verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, Grievous wolves enter in among you, not shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And that word perverse means distorted, it means corrupt, it means misleading or misinterpreted, you know, with false doctrines. From, from another Greek word, it means to twist. We know that wolves are dangerous. Therefore, let's see, let me go to Matthew chapter 7. I think it's, yeah, Matthew chapter 7. Enter you in at the straight gate. For wide is the, is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there 
B, which go in thereat. Trying to catch up here. And his, uh, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life, few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So we have this, uh, this uh, one of the ways to fend off these wolves is to watch whom you follow. You know, you don't go along with the crowd because everybody's, you know, going that way unless, unless you're sure of where, uh, where it's all leading and it needs to be, you know, following Christ. There's always two choices, you know, you got, you got the good fruit and you got the bad fruit got the thistles and the grapes and all that, so there's choices. The second way to fend off uh, these uh, wolves is, you know, just take heed that no man deceive you. You know, use that, that fruit test that we read in verses 15 through 20. And the third thing is to take care in, in thinking that great works are a definite or a definitive sign of faith. Verse 21, it says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name have cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work uh, iniquity. The fourth thing is to abide in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Second John chapter 1 verse 6 and this is the love that we walk after his commandments this is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning you should walk in it for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh this is a deceiver and an antichrist Look to yourselves that we lose not these things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. And if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that bids him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So we walk after his commandments, and we walk after his, his truth. But let's go back to Acts uh, chapter 20, so that we can conclude all of this with the Apostle Paul's concern. Verse 34, or 31, Therefore watch. And remember, 
that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So, you know, Paul had a great concern of, of what these grievous wolves could do. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So, you know, that great concern that he had, he has to commend all of uh, uh, them to God. So, it's, you know, it's, it's up to us to follow God in the right way that we go on, you know, to receive the inheritance that's in store for us. So, we are all in this faith together. And let us just, you know, hold fast to the crown and let no man take that crown and, you know, fight the good fight of faith. And, and, and when we doubt, when we come across choices that we are in doubt, here's, here's what we do. We ought to obey God rather than man and taking heed that no man deceives us.